everyone, and welcome to this week's On the Spot. I'm Director of Freight Market Intelligence, Zach Strickland, here with, as usual, John Paul Hampstead, our Director of Passport Research. And we're here to talk about what's happening in the market, the freight market today, uh, give you guys a little insight on what to expect moving forward. But so far, JP, we've had another another record week for our volume expansion. Tender rejection rates are continue to climb. We just, we just surpassed, we're the all-time high for the, well, I should say the annual high uh, for the year, just surpassing 19.39% on the outbound tender rejection index. Uh, tender volumes, again, keep going up higher and higher. Right. Um, you know, where does it stop? <laughs> well, yeah, the volume, yeah, and t- tenders going up makes a lot of sense. Um, to, to me, where does it stop? You know, I don't know. I mean, uh, the expanded unemployment benefits in this weekend, um, Congress still seems really far apart on a new stimulus bill. Um, part of that has to do with how much more um, enhanced unemployment benefits there will be. Part of it has to do with uh, liability for employers who bring people back to work. But um, you know, that's that's always something that people bring up, but they never right. have an answer as to like how that will actually affect. Yeah. The, like, will it force people back to work? Will it just will it cause uh, consumer demand to crash again? Both. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, I have a sense in the long term we still have we haven't solved all of the issues moving forward. I mean, unemployment levels are still high, but again, stimulus packages and, and things like that have kind of propped that up. Um, you know, so that's explainable in the near term. Eventually we'll have to continue to find a solution for that as you know, some of these businesses haven't come all the way back into the full swing of things. But that being said, the freight market has been astoundingly resilient uh, and very disconnected from a lot of the macroeconomic figures that we've looked at, into, especially on the industrial side. Um, Although that's coming back now too. Yeah. Um, Which could quite be strongly. here in the next few months that the freight market could have enough, just an extended run of what it's having. Um, I think that's I think that's true. I think that um, service consumer spending, like on travel, airlines, uh, hospitality, even even restaurants and sports events, is likely to stay depressed for longer. Um, so, tangible goods benefit from that. Um, obviously, you know, but those the, are services. Those are a lot of services, not a direct. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Th- that will stay depressed, meaning yeah. that people will spend their money on tangible goods. There you go. Is okay. what, what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um, which, which is what's happened so far. So I think I think that sort of mixed shift tailwind will, will continue for freight. I think as as more people go back to work, as the economy produces more. Even even I was talking to people who um, in Texas have said that oil and gas is actually coming back much stronger than most people realize. Um, the, the recovery in oil production. In, in in shale has already has already started again. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of alternative data about industrial production that needs to be digested by markets, really, and, and economists. Um, you know, like I, th- I think people freaked out yesterday about the Q2 GDP print, but it's like we're literally at the end of we've, July already. We've already finished it. It's gone. Right. It and it's like and it's an average. It's an average of a quarter that looked like this, right? Yeah. And so it's like, that that was back, so that we're talking about like, a sort si- of, like we talked about last week, a single data point to represent an extremely volatile, you know, it's right. that average of zero to 100, whereas we're used to being like 40 to 60. Right, and so we're talking about like, the GDP print was probably like what mid-May 
was was sort of like, and now we're at the end of July. But um, again, Anthony Smith just yesterday was talking about how you have to really be careful with that GDP number in regards to freight, because there's two parts of it. There's services, which is 70% of that number, and then the durable goods side, which is 30% of that number, roughly. Yep, yep. Um, but we think that, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear to us the way that relative capacity has continued to tighten, or the, the way that OTR has continued sort of taking legs up mm-hmm. incrementally over time, that it's not just the sudden sort of COVID volatility spikes that really what we think has happened is that um, the mix shift into, into freight has touched off another tightening truckload capacity cycle um, that is here to say, I mean, we talked to some, you know, a great uh, industry expert earlier this week who said that his view was that truckload capacity is pretty much sold out for this year. He was like, I think what we have now is what we're going to have through the end of the year. Basically, there's not going to be people returning to the market because we had this huge shedding in 2019 of a lot of capacity. You know, I think you said a thousand trucks a week almost. Yeah. Um, and then 2000, obviously 2020 with COVID, you have another like, you know, you have all these, uh, you know, unemployment benefits and stuff that's probably, you know, you had a lot of people come off the road that still haven't returned yet. Um, and and that's, right. that's also, you know, kind of a limiting factor in terms of getting people back into the truck. So, you know, before the July 4th holiday, we we're saying like, what it will July look like after the holiday? Now we know what it looks like. Um, rates stayed strong. Capacity got even tighter. Volumes held up, most importantly. And I think this just sets us up for a volatile, you know, Q3, Q4. Um, I don't think there's anyone who, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it to believes that things will be relatively normal and calm right. going forward. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I th- yeah, Vincent and I were talking about it on freight forecasting one day how, you know, we had we had this temporary return to seasonality in June, looked like things were going to kind of progress back into the the pattern of before, and now it's completely haywire. Like after after mid June, we saw things go uh, pretty much off the rails. You can't really apply any true seasonality to anything moving forward at this point. Uh, the maritime side of things is, heating up. Is, is still very strong. It's stronger, getting stronger. We do have a few uh, things down the road that look like may present an issue, but I was talking to Henry Byers uh, mm-hmm. about some of those blank sailings that we're seeing in October, September. He said those are not something to make any huge deal about just yet. A lot of people will cancel those way ahead of time just because they're not sure of what's going to happen. I'd, yeah, and I saw some of them just get reinstated uh, yeah. as uh, going to happen um, yeah. this morning. So, yeah, no, I, I, and I think when you listen to the earnings calls and you, and you especially, you know, the the CEOs of truckload carriers have been very, I would say they've been cagey about guidance, but cagey implies that they, they know something, know something that <laughs> <Yeah>. they're hiding. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just, they just are, don't know. Right. They, they want to produce guidance that says this bull run is going to extend throughout the next two quarters because then they set themselves up 
for the opposite effect of what they just did in the right. second quarter. So, <laughs> so Eric Fuller was very aggressive and bullish. He said that he expected a strong trucking market for the next four to six quarters. Right. Um, Derek Leathers was also really constructive. He kind of approached the question differently. He didn't come out and say, like, yeah, like our revenue is going to keep growing like the next six quarters. But what he said was he, he talked about capacity, and he talked about the structural constraints on capacity. And one of the things that he mentioned that I thought was pretty interesting, um, it wasn't about, like, bankruptcies and things like that. He said that... Uh, if you look at the training school data or the driver school data, there are a hundred thousand fewer new drivers um, than there should be than in a normal year because right. of, because of uh, you know I guess closures and things like that. So um, that's a number he's looking at that'll that'll keep a lot of fleets from growing, um, especially enterprise carriers right. and, and, and people like Werner. But um, you know that has that obviously has a trickle down effect, and it applies certain things for attrition in the industry. Um, so he he thinks that he's like he, he compared it to missing sleep. He's like you can't make it up, um, right. and it, it will continue to sort of ripple through the industry um, going forward. So uh, I mean, effectively, we're talking about you know fleet growth, people returning to the market, uh, generating capacity, and and it's just basically saying. That's not going to happen. Just like you know, 2018, we saw a bunch of people re-enter the market, jump into their trucks, and get going. Owner operators came from larger fleets. Uh, you know, larger fleet care, uh, drivers went to smaller fleets. It, it's kind of a trickle-down effect yeah. in the market. But uh, what you're stating is, we're probably not going to see that same level of re-entry, that same level of you know, people kind of bouncing down the ladder this year. Correct. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting to look at some of those seated truck counts and those earnings calls too. Uh, there, it was kind of mixed uh, in the way that people grew or retracted in their fleet counts uh, or their their truck counts. Uh, we didn't see, you know, it was kind of big to both ends. Some people decided to go all in in the last year, <laughs> and some people decided to pull back. And some people had parked tractors that they were able to reseat. It seems like right. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know it's we're going into you know the third quarter approaching a bid season. Um, you know a lot of these contracts get implemented in January. This is going to be one of the most interesting bid seasons I think on record. Yeah, you know, it would be, it's going to be hard to uh, I think for a lot of brokers out there to to manage through some of this. Yeah, um, and that kind of well, we just released some research that looks at how the COVID volatility and the subsequent tightening of the trucking market has impacted kind of different modes. And so we looked at earnings, we looked at UPS earnings, we looked at Werner, U.S. Express, C.H. Robinson. Right. And it's, it's kind of interesting because the the parcel carriers saw the impact first as tons of consumer spending migrated online. So their normal mix of business to consumer deliveries and business to business deliveries was really thrown off and biased toward B2C. Right. Which, um, you know, they saw a huge revenue lift, right? They saw a lot of margin compression. Uh, B2C delivery densities are very low. Uh, The, you know, revenue revenue per parcel in domestic package has been going down um, for a long time. and there's there's a lot. We actually wrote some research about this, uh, but now they're seeing that that balance, that revenue mix, uh, normalizing again. So B two B is growing, and B two C is coming off the highs right. in terms of mix. So 
they're kind of getting through the, the, the COVID hump in a way. And they, right. um, truckload carriers are sort of just now entering it or entered it sort of in March or in, in June rather. Yeah. Um, July is looking better. You know, hopefully that continues. They're seeing, they're seeing, actually seeing like uh, you know, volume and revenue, you know, positive incremental incremental moves. The brokerages, in my view, have not mostly seen a benefit from from e- either the COVID volatility or the um, you know the, this sort of inflection point in the truckload market. And and, and to that point. You know, normally the brokers, you know, they, they entered these contracts. They don't control the assets. So when they enter these contracts at a low cycle and then all of a sudden it goes to a high cycle, they lose a lot of control. And now they're, they have service deterioration, et cetera. They can't control their margin, margins as effectively, especially when you're talking about, you know, significant increases year over year. And we're talking about significant increases three months ago, yeah. from three months ago. Yeah. Um, you know, so that I think this year we're going to see. Uh, it is that gets back to your point about about contract rate negotiations, right? I think yeah. in the last up cycle that began in 2017, there were talking points like the ELD LDs. mandate that created a perception of a permanent constraint on capacity that would justify taking rates higher for another 12 months. Yeah. Right now, does anyone believe that the sort of confusion and the messiness and the imbalance of COVID-related demand surges justify like a 12-month increase in, pri- in contract prices? I don't know. I guess it probably depends on what vertical you're in. Probably depends on, um, you know, if you're a shipper, to what extent you've been able to buy capacity uh, that actually shows up for you. Right. Um, but I just think that that the sort of uncertainty and unpredictability of the market right now is weakening the three PLs uh, negotiating leverage. You know, when it comes to contract rates. Yeah, because they, by na- just by experience, by nature, they're going to have to get some form of rate increase out of this because they cannot sit on the floor. Uh, they'll they'll lose capacity. They won't control it uh, as effectively if they do that. So I think that that's going to have upward rate pressure, especially on the contract side this year. Anybody that uses some form of managed transportation is probably going to see that. Um, again, not even if volumes do kind of come back down, but we're all prisoners of the moment to some extent in the pricing world. Uh, I, I do think that we will still see some sort of upward pressure because volatility is. And when, when, when Bob Biesterfeld is talking about C.H. Robinson's managed trans business seeing only 70% first tender acceptance rates, mm-hmm. I mean, that's even higher than OTRI yeah. in terms of rejections, right? So that, you know, that's managed trans. That, that's ca- exactly right. That causes problems. Yeah. That causes and, big issues. Because a lot of what OTRI does is ca- uh, shipper to carrier, not yeah. shipper to managed trans. Right. So, well, we only have a few seconds left. I mean, we, we still had a lot to talk about, but, uh, you know, stay tuned every week to watch On the Spot as me and JP try to break down the craziness that is this freight market. And, of course, as always, check out Freightways.com for any future freight market insights. Have a great week.